so we're recording. Right. Um, I should have just been recording that. It was like the perfect intro. <laughs> um, you know, I, you talk a lot of, a lot about it in your work the the importance of mentorship and that kind of stuff. And you know, the more that I get into you know, when I was just a content marketer, right? Just a content marketer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like I sought out these mentors and peers, you know, like a peer mentor group, Marcus Sheridan, you know, in the, in the industry, you know, we found each other, all, you know, all these different people. And, and then in the leadership side, you know, there's, you're constantly battling your own ego. Like you, you constantly are like, uh, you know, I feel like I should be able to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And I, it just, it really, you know, the, the thing I found is that uh, telling yourself like as a leader, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> I need to like yeah. read things and ask questions and having that person who you can just call and be like, I have no idea how I'm supposed to handle this situation. Right. And being comfortable in that, uh, it just helps. It helps you move forward so fast. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is. I mean, I think ego is a great part of that. Not even in a, in like an ego of, you know, the negative sense that it's all about me. It's just, there's, there's more of pride in the fact that, man, I can figure this out. I can do this. I know that. And when you realize, like we talked earlier, that you're, you're spending so much time in many cases, chasing things that are not in your unique abilities are not in your strength zone. And you've got people with within your team who love to do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's interesting. I mean, it goes back. I was listening to, and I forgot what book this was in, but you know, I was talking about almost a guilt, for example, of having a house cleaner. Like, gosh, you know, I mean, I would hate to clean a house all day, you know. And, and the guy was having a conversation. It's like she loves to clean the house. Like, it's her unique ability. It's not a right or wrong. It's just we all have different things we love to do, and. Um, I think that's a really powerful, <laughs> a powerful lesson to learn. And, you know, now I'm surrounded by a team and that's, and we talk about all the time is I'm trying to stay really focused into three areas. It doesn't mean you don't get dragged into other things once in a while that happens, but you know, I'm, 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 I'll preach to the, you know, probably till I die, the idea of 80, 20 and, you know, where is that, you know, where is that delegation of time that I need to commit to that presents, you know, gives me the 80% of the results or something like that. So it's, yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, it certainly is. I, I have found, um, you know, the, the leadership aspect of business to be the most frustrating part of the whole business experience and also the most um, yeah, engaging, intriguing is probably a good word. It just yeah. there's so many soft skills that go into it and it's like you can be amazing at something. Uh, it doesn't make you a good leader, right? You could be the yeah. best content creator. You could be the best speaker. You could be the best accountant. It doesn't make you a great leader. And that's a really tough thing to transition into. Like it feels like because you're good at the thing, you should immediately be good at leading people to do the thing. And they are, could not be more different skill sets from my, from my perception. And, uh, I I have, uh, I've really dove into it and found it to be it's, it's like a new, it's like a whole new game. It's like a whole new yeah. game to try to yeah. figure out how you, how you, how you steer this ship. And, and, uh, a lot of it is, I, I know I, I found a lot of it is you have to be comfortable with failure, not this bullshit entrepreneurial, like fail fast, you know, celebrate failure nonsense, which I think is complete, like meme garbage. I mean, like occasionally you're going to mess up and if you dwell on it, then you'll never move forward. Right. I mean, I think 
that's probably where some of that like fail fast came from. And then it just got corrupted by endless, you know, pseudo founders on, on memes, you know, word swag took it over, right? Yes. You could do whatever you want. Right. Um, well, to, to go back to what you said, I, I mean, I think, you know, obviously we live in the world of the independent insurance agencies and what you said is it's true with us, but boy, it is so true with agencies, right? Because think about, the majority of agency principles, whether it's first generation, second generation, third generation. Now, again, this is in every case, but the majority of cases, the person who runs the agency was oftentimes what? The best sales producer. Um, that, that generally, or at least is in a position for that. Again, it's not every case is not that way, but um, it's, it's interesting as I work closely with agencies and you see that, that someone has a unique skill in sales, right? In that aspect of being the shark, man, they go in there and they know the right, you know, they, they, they work their butts off and they, they, they network like crazy and they're building relationships and they understand their product and how they want to deliver it and present it well and unique, you know, all their differentiation, all that kind of stuff. And then next thing you know, they're in charge of five sales producers and they have absolutely zero clue what to do. But the expectation is you should be great at it because you sold a lot of insurance. <laughs> and, and quite frankly, they suck at it, right? I mean, because it's like, wait a second, I know how to sell it, but I don't know how to train and monitor and mentor other people. That's a whole different deal. And by the way, <laughs> these are people, right? Like, so that means that they have different thoughts and feelings and they change day to day, which gets really challenging, right? <laughs> so, I mean, just, it, it, I think at the end of the day, I mean, that is a, that is a skill set, and it's something that certainly you can learn and develop and get better at it, but you have to understand that it is, you don't just show up one day and go, man, I'm just, I'm a great leader today. Cause I used to do this really well. So yeah. just important, important yeah. distinction for sure. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter being the loudest, being the most outgoing, being the most, none of that stuff really matters. And, and it's funny you say the thing about, um, you know, and their opinions change every day and, and you may, and, and the other thing too, that I've had to work hard on is I have this, this, um, enterprise level view of what's going on in the company. Right. And I'm very invested mm -hmm. in both the independent agency channel as, as you are. And in this particular company and the value that we want to provide to the channel. And I look out over the course of three, five, 10 years and what I think we can do here. That doesn't mean that every one of your employees is thinking that way. And frankly, mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and I quote him a lot, but I just, I'm, I'm a believer. Um, Gary Vaynerchuk was talking about this the other day and he said, uh, someone asked him a question, uh, you know, you build your personal brand, you believe so deeply, you work 18 hours a day. Like how can you expect your people to do that? And he said, I, are you crazy? I don't expect my people to work 18 hours a day. He's like, I'm a, I'm the majority shareholder in Vayner and Vayner media. Like this is my company. Like this is who I am. This is what I do. Like everything that I've done up until this point has been to create this business. He's like, that's, this is a job for some people. They show up, they do their designs, they make their whatevers, they handle clients and they go home. And he's like, and it's not that that's wrong. It's just, everybody's viewpoint is different. Not everyone mm -hmm. looks at things, you know, so, so I think sometimes, you know, and just thinking from if sitting in an agency, you know, if you're an agency owner, you're sitting there, I think it's easy to look at a producer or a CSR and say, you know, they don't understand how hard I work or this or that. And I think the answer is, and, and, and I've had to look myself in the mirror too. Um, although I am incredibly blessed with the people that I have today is that you can't expect them 
to believe what you believe and, and, and want to work as hard as you do. Like you, it's, it's amazing when they do and they should be celebrated and rewarded and, and all that kind of good stuff. Um, but at the same time, it cannot be expected. No one is ever going to be invested as invested in the business as the person who founded it or owns it or, or whose father founded it or whatever. Right. Yeah, no, it, it's true. I mean, it's, it's absolutely true. I mean, things that stand out from what you just shared was first of all, is that, you know, I think many of us have taken, you know, whether it's a personality test or whatever it is, um, you know, and those things you can say, oh, well, they're, you know, some are good, some are not. But I think the power behind whatever type of thing you look at is that we all have unique viewpoints. I mean, is what is what you're saying and it's correct. Um, you know, I, you know, I think you said earlier that, you know, you're a kind of a vision strategic guy and that's kind of how I, I am too. I'm also a quick star. I have an idea. Like once I have an idea in my head, it's already been done. <laughs> it doesn't mean actually anything. It doesn't mean that anything actually has been done. Um, in fact, I did a Colby. There's again, a lot of those, but we did a, our, at, at Sitkin's group, we do the Colby and there's four levels and I'm a nine quick start and three and everything else, which means I come up with ideas and oftentimes don't follow through, execute on them very well. <laughs> you know, I like mean, that's that just podcast and I, and I, I've been trying to get you to do for how many years? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's, it's like, oh, I got all these ideas, but then it gets down to, you need to work, you know, you may have someone on your team who's a great follow through person, a great implementer, implementer. And, and so, you know, you, you put those things together and it's very, very powerful. Um, and then also know when to stay out of the way, you know, kind of like what, what you said earlier is, Hey, I gotta, I gotta get out of this. Like someone came to me with this. And uh, in fact, we just had a, our group we're working on, we're redoing our, our website and kind of the messaging. <laughs> and Roger Sitkins comes in and, and in one of his emails and just said, listen, like I'm out, like this is your gig. <laughs> like don't involve me. And because, because we're very similar in that aspect, we're both quick starts. So we would always have an idea and our opinion if we wanted to share it. It doesn't mean it helps us get to the end of the, of the process that we're working on. In fact, we probably hinder it. So, you know, once someone starts something, let them finish it and let them do it well. If you empower them to do that. And, and the other thing that, that comes out for what you just said is, um, you know, in working, and again, this is probably more true within sales teams, but you know, oftentimes you're right. It's like as, as the boss, the leader, the manager, whatever you want to call yourself, um, you know, you, you've got more sweat equity, you got more time maybe you have more even passion, so to speak in what you're doing. And like I said, I can't, expect everyone to do the same time, the same hours that I do. And so to be able to actually listen to your people, and we use something called reverse performance management, where we sit down and we'll do strategic planning, but it's not about me telling you what your goals are this year. It's that we actually work together as a team and I want to get to know where you're at. And it doesn't mean I'm not going to push you or challenge you, but it means let, let's let you determine the path that you want to take. I'll help guide you on it. And then as we go along versus me saying, why didn't you do that? I'd say, well, I thought we agreed upon this. This is what you told me you wanted to do, right? I mean, it's 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 no different in leadership if you talk about you know fitness and weight loss. And if someone says, "Well, I want to lose twenty pounds," or I or I think you should lose twenty pounds, better yet, right? If your spouse says you need to lose twenty pounds, like you know, like whatever, maybe you know, like maybe we can internalize it's a good idea, but I'm not going to actually do it. But if someone says, "Okay, well, what do you want to do?" You know, I'd like to lose twenty pounds. I say, "Well, why?" Well, here's the reason why. You know, I've got I've got five children. Uh, you know, I'm, I realize I'm going to be older, an older dad now when they get older. I want to be around. I want to be healthy. I want to be active. All those kind of things, and I internalize it. And then six months down the road, I don't do it. They say, well, I thought you, you wanted to do this. And, and to me, that's a different style of leadership, which I think, you know, I think our industry and others are, are moving towards that we're empowering people and we're listening to them, but we're all going to still hold them accountable, but we're not going to hold them accountable just to what we want. That's part of it. We're going to agree together, but what do you they do? Dude, I, I just, so uh, 
if you're still there, I lost you. You, uh, you cut out and reset on me. Um, so I'm not really sure where I lost you. That's all right. We can, whatever. Just, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was was talking talking about reverse leadership. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's uh, whatever. We can, we can go wherever you want to go. So, so maybe this is a good time since Zencaster just crapped the bet on us for you to actually introduce yourself and (laughs) tell the audience who you are, (laughs) what you do. And, uh, and then we can roll from there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Ryan, uh, I am Brent Kelly. I'm an executive coach and I'm a speaker with the Sitkins group. And, uh, I work with, you know, independent insurance agencies all over the country, in particular with the Sitkins network, uh, where we do on-go code coaching, training programs. And obviously I go and speak at events like awesome events, like elevate. Um, that's, that's in a nutshell of who I am and what I do. Why the Sickens Group, man? I mean, tell me a little bit about that decision. Um, I mean, obviously, Roger's incredibly well-respected, and I think he's a great guy, and, and I think everyone who probably meets him does. I and, and he's got a great organization, great people. But, you know, I mean, you had been on your own doing your own thing with BizGrizz for a while, and last year when you spoke at Elevate, you were, you know, BizGrizz was the thing, and now you're part of Sickens. So, I mean, I was obviously very happy for you when you made that decision, but I'm interested in the thought process. Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I mean, I, I love what I was doing. I, and and here's the thing, I'm pretty much doing the same thing as far as, you know, coaching, speaking, training, uh, only now, uh, I'm part of a team. I'm part of a group that, um, can expedite, you know, expedite what I'm doing. I mean, one of the things that, um, and we, we talked about this earlier was mentorship and, you know, if you can uh, align yourself with a uh, mentor, mentors who can quantum leap your career, you know, we, you do that. And, and that was a decision for me. I mean, you know, I had uh, I had read like many people read Roger's articles and rough notes back when I started in the business in 2000. Um, I didn't know him that well. Um, up until we, we started talking about over a year ago. Um, but I was always very interested in what he was doing. And, and as I got to know, um, got to know Roger and the team and even beyond just business as a human being, I had a lot of dinner conversations and we walked through stuff and just got to know him and his wife. Um, you know, there's a lot of aspects to mentorship and one of them is, is business knowledge. The other person, part of it for me is just surrounding yourself with good quality people. And so it was an opportunity for me, Ryan, to take my career to the next level and, uh, to be able to surround myself with ideas and resources that I simply didn't have before. I mean, um, you know, 35 years of, of proven results and experience is powerful. And, um, and so I want to be part of that and, and be able to add to it, add my flavor as well, right? Because there's a lot of things that I bring to the table that, and Roger would tell you this, that, you know, he, he's looking for. And so together it becomes very, very powerful. Yeah, no, I I thought it was great. I mean, and you know, not to tell Roger's business, but I thought it was a super smart move on his part. Um, He has, like you've said, an incredible wealth of knowledge in this industry. He is an asset to anybody who works with him or his organization. Um, But I, I definitely, you could definitely see that there was a break when it came to. Uh, the digital side, right? Not that he didn't understand its importance because he had written about it, but maybe, you know, just how that translates and, you know, just a whole nother generation of insurance professionals that I think someone like yourself relates well to, understands, can distribute to. So it seemed to make complete sense. So I was, I was very happy to see that, um, you know, always envious because I'm building an empire and anytime someone who's on my 
like hit list for I want to come work for us, go someplace else. But, you know, it's uh, things are still young. We'll see how it works out for you there's, over there. Hey, there's a lot of collaboration down the road. <laughs> you never know. You never know. But uh, yeah, just, just, to, just to, to step in on that, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where I, I think there's a couple of sides to that. Um, I think Rod would be the first to tell you that, you know, as someone who's been doing a long time, whether it's fair or not, there's a perception with some of the changes in technology. Now, I will tell you that, um, and, and I mean, I'm not saying this just to blow smoke. I have been blown away with the amount of knowledge and information that Roger understands about insure tech and digital disruption. Um, but he would also be the first to tell you that those that might be 30, 40, 50 years old, good luck. Well, he doesn't quite get it. And so, um, and he's very aware of that. And so part of that is, you know, obviously there's background that I've done in digital and leadership and you know, sales. And so just to kind of put that all together. And, you know, this is a long-term vision, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things that, you know, talk about building your empire. That's what I want to do too. <laughs> you know, I want, I want to help a lot of agencies win. And um, just like, you know, Ryan, a lot of agencies, there's a lot of agencies primed and ready. They just need to execute. And I think there's a lot of tools that I know both of us can provide that'll help them do that. So I want to get your perspective on something. Um, I had an agent call me. I do these Friday calls every once in a while or as, mu as much as I can. Um, just as we were talking before, I'm kind of pinned and dealing with that issue uh, from a leadership and management standpoint. But uh, as often as I can, I do these calls on Friday with agents where just if I can take a half hour and just chat with them with no agenda other than I'll listen to what's going on and see if I can provide any value, you know, mm -hmm. try to connect people or whatever. So I do this as often as I can. And I was talking to an agency owner a few weeks ago and uh, he like late thirties, early forties, um, bought this agency, been in it for a couple of years doing okay. Um, and he's like, Ryan, I really want to do video, but I'm, I just, you know, I can't find the time and I start and I stop and I do two videos and it doesn't work. And then I don't do any for a couple months. I'm like, okay, well, what's keeping you from doing the video? Oh, he's talking to me about his camera. And I was like, your camera's fine. He's talking to me about, you know, all this stuff. <laughs> um, and finally I said, well, you know, what's stopping you right now, right this minute from hanging up the phone with me and doing a video? And he said, well, you know, I, I got to get back to like five or six clients. And I said, what do you have to get back to them about? Well, one of them's got a car change and blah, 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 blah. And he basically goes, a bunch of service work. And I go, why are you doing service work? And he said, well, seven months ago, you know, and he named the, uh, one of his CSRs, I'm going to have no idea what her name was, get, you know, calling the story. Um, she, she left, she went and did something else. And, you know, I just can't find someone to fill in her spot. So I'm picking up the slack. And it was like this epiphany in my brain. Cause I've, I have literally heard this. I mean, so I'm sure you have too, a thousand times, right? Mm -hmm. I am starting to believe that the reason agencies are not adopting marketing and sales forward sales leaning forward uh, structures or, or cultures is because is not because they don't understand the technology is not because they don't want to grow is not because of lethargy or, or maybe in some cases, but in for the most part, I don't think that's the case. I think it's because of operational issues. I'm starting to believe that operations, and, and maybe I'm just last to the party here, but uh, that really the true destructive force of growth in our industry is operational frustration and misunderstanding and lack of execution and not this, 
you know, agents are just tired and fat and lazy and don't want to work hard crap that so many people shove down their throats. I don't, what do you think about that? Is there any truth to that? Well, yeah. I mean, I think what you're saying, operations, what what hits me is that I think there is a, a lack of, of focus on results-based activities versus just activities-based activities. Um, do you, do you know, uh, if you remember back, I know they don't do this anymore because of, you know, I'm sure it's like the wrong thing to do. It's not politically correct, but back years ago when they had the lion tamer, you know, I don't know if you ever seen like that. Like circuses just, and stuff? Yeah, yeah like yeah, in circuses. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, so that, so, what, so the lion tamer, now he may have had his whip, but what, what else did he have? In his hand, typically, if you can visualize this, <sighs> didn't he have like a clicker or something? <laughs> well, they had, a lot of them they had that they had a uh, like a bar stool. Yeah, yeah, that, oh, yeah, they, a bar they, stool. They, okay. they, yeah, yeah. So they hold up a bar stool, and there's four legs on the bottom of the bar stool. And I was always, and this was in a different uh, training I was part of, but the question was, well, why why does the lion tamer have a bar stool with the legs, you know, pointing out? Well, the reason why, and this has been researched, is because there's four legs. It confuses the lion. Because if there was just one man sitting there, he has one lunch to eat. But if he has four legs, he looks at all four and doesn't know what to do. He becomes paralyzed. And so I think, you know, this is operation back to what you said. I think that really is the crux of it is that when I talk to agency leaders and I say, there's probably a hundred things you could do, right? And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, 300 things that it's the whole paralysis by analysis is that I could do this. I should do that. Maybe I should do that. I got to go service that account. Maybe I should make a video. Maybe I should actually call my current client and, and have a conversation beyond a renewal, right? Whatever it is, you go on and on and on and on. Maybe I need to train this new person. And so they just get paralyzed and they end up just doing nothing or just doing always the same thing they've always done because that's at least safe. Right. At least I know kind of what to expect from that. And so that that's what I see. I mean, you know, operationally, yes. And I think it starts with an intense laser focus on what brings me the greatest results. Um, you know, we talk about time management. You can't manage time. We all heard that. But but you can manage your energy. And so, you know, it, it's interesting to me, you mentioned like servicing account. Well, is it important that someone services this account? Well, yes, of course it is. Is it important that very quickly it's not you because your time is best spent in doing X, Y, or Z? Yes. So, you know, I, I think there's a, um, I'm going on long here, but there's a feeling that being busy in our society feels kind of good. Like, hey, what'd you do today? I don't really know what I accomplished, but man, I was busy, you know? And so at least that feels like I, I did something. And I think with a lot of insurance agency leaders, it's operationally is they just don't know where to start. And, and, they, and, and they haven't really sat down again, the whole work on or work in your business. They're just so inundated with stuff that they can't take a step back and go, wait a second. If I, if I was looking at this... What do I need to focus on? What's the most important item? So that, that's kind of the way I see it. No, I think you're spot on. I, you know, when I said operations, I did not, I certainly didn't articulate it the way you did, but kind of in a sense, I guess that's what I was saying. I mean, I did, definitely didn't bake it out as far as you and I'm that lion tamer thing is perfect. I, um, I, yeah, I, I'm with you, man. I think you're right on it. It's, you know, and, and you see it in your own work. I know on Monday of this week, I had not even, it was like, 10 o'clock in the morning on Monday, my vlog, my, so I post a vlog on Tuesdays, Joey goes Wednesdays, thir- uh, Sydney goes Thursdays. And I hadn't even started it. And normally it's done by then. So I was like paralyzed because I had like 
50 other things I needed to do. And I was like, and I know I needed to get this done. And it was keeping me from doing anything. So I had like, I had this whole like hour and a half period during the middle of Monday where I was very unproductive. Um, and I had to like shake myself out of it. You know, I had to be like, just do something. I literally just said that to myself out loud was like, just do something. Okay, boom, I'll do this. And um, because it's so easy to get overwhelmed. So how do you overcome that? Like, how do you prioritize or work through that process? Because it, I, I, anybody who, who, who deals with, you know, switching their brain from different topics mm-hmm. or managing, I mean, you deal with these issues. Yeah. Well, and I'm like you, I mean, I, I teach and train and look and analyze this stuff, but man, I'm in the middle of it. It's like a real life experiment, you know, because I, I, I get challenged with this just like everybody else does. I'm certainly not perfect on it. Um, well, the first thing I'll say is this, there, there's a, there was a mentor a couple of years ago who had a thing and came out and said, he goes, stop prioritizing your schedule, uh, stop ske- or start scheduling your priorities. And it sounded kind of, you know, okay, that's cute, but it was powerful when we got into it because oftentimes we just get a bunch of stuff thrown on our calendar. And then we just start figuring out where it all goes and overlaps. And just like you said, I mean, there's a feeling of I've got this project I know I need to do or this thing I know I need to do, but right now I got to do this. And so even though you're kind of present at one project, you're really kind of over at the other. You know how that it's that feeling of like almost guilt or uh, I can maybe I can kind of do both and you end up just being crappy at everything. So to me, how do you really do that? I think a lot of it comes from daily preparation and review and evaluation. And it takes a little time, but, but it's important to go again, what is, I mean, when I talk about the 80, 20, which has been around for a hundred plus years with Pareto, you know, it sounds like, oh, great, great idea, but there is a predictable imbalance. When you can figure out the 20% of things that you do that produce 80% of your results, like find any way possible to just, just to do those. And, and again, it's never perfect, but to me, it's like, you know, I look at my schedule, Ryan, and I can tell you, I've got, if you look, can't look behind me, but in my, in my office here, I have like the ideal week. Now, is there ever a perfect ideal week? No, <laughs> it doesn't exist. I haven't found it yet, but what would an ideal week look like? And for me, I know that there's three things that I have to do consistently. Everything else becomes extra that I have to be able to every week spend time in creating and and developing and practicing content because I'm a speaker and I do training. So I better be good at it because if I go up on the stage or I go up into training and I don't know what I'm talking about, no one's ever going to come back. Right. Um, Number two, and also builds, it also builds relationships. Number two is connecting. I've got to reach out and and meet influencers just like you, Ryan, every day and every week. I've got to spend time building relationships. And number three is I got to coach and I got to be really good at coaching and listening and taking a step back and helping agencies move forward. Outside of those three things, everything else I do is kind of irrelevant. Um, it, it doesn't mean that I don't spend time in those areas. It doesn't mean I don't have to reply back to emails or do different things, of course. But to get really super intentionally focused on these are the three things that drive results for my business. So I best be spending my time there. Otherwise, I'm probably wasting a lot of valuable assets. And you know, I've got a busy life just like we all do. So there's no perfect thing with that, I guess, to answer your question. But um, you know, I'll, I'll, if, I, if I could just for a second give you an example for insurance agencies, I talked about 80-20. We've done, we've done studies with agencies over and over and over again. And not only do the top 20% of agencies' clients produce 80% of the revenue, the top 5% produce over half, typically. Top 5% of clients. And so you have agencies who are spending countless time and energy trying to make changes. And by the way, first of all, they shouldn't be servicing. They're servicing. And then they're servicing a change on a monoline auto. 
And I'm not here to say those people don't deserve service. My question is, you have 5% of your book of business producing half of your agency's revenue. Are you spending proactive, intentional time to retain and to round out and to replicate those accounts that actually earn you a lifestyle that you want? Or are you always chasing the tail? So, I mean, those are just things that sometimes it takes an outsider to kind of paint that picture and they go, holy crap, what am I doing here? <laughs> so, uh, again, long answer to your question, but that's uh, it's just important stuff. No, I agree with you. I completely agree. Um, you know, and you said sometimes the very last thing you said is, 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 is actually pretty powerful. You said sometimes it takes an outsider to kind of tell you these things before you let them sink in. I'll give you an example. Uh, we actually had a facilitator come in. We had a, uh, our entire marketing team and some of the executives from our company came into Milwaukee uh, last week, um, packaged around a keynote that I had at Roberts and Ryan on Wednesday, uh, which I want to I want to ask you about something about that when we're done. Um, so we've had conversations around prioritizing our various initiatives and all that kind of stuff. We've had a thousand conversations with all different people. But we had never had a structured conversation built uh, or, or, or based around the sole goal of coming up with a prioritized list of initiatives in which every member or, or just about every member of the team sat in and had feedback on. So this guy, uh, his name is Bill. He did an amazing job. If anyone needs a facilitator, I will send you his contact information. He was worth every single penny that we paid for him. Four hours of fun, structured kind of in, this isn't people sitting in chairs. You're up, you're using post-it notes, you're doing all these SWOT analysis and super SWATs and, you know, condensing and then doing a thing and then condensing that list and, you know, all this stuff that at at face value, I could a hundred percent we could do that ourselves. But having that third party say, oh, no, you know, that's off topic. Let's pull it back in. Okay. Could you expand on that? Okay. Uh, you believe this. Does anyone else believe it? And, and like having that outsider there, we came away with seven initiatives that I'll tell you there were, there are three initiatives that weren't on the list that if we're just up to like the C-suite of our company would have been there. And after going through this analysis, it's like, it was so obvious that those three things should not have been in our top seven. But if we were just kind of there talking through it without structure, you know, thinking about things that didn't matter and allowing these outside thoughts to come into the conversation, we would have put them in and we wouldn't have the clear list of priorities that we have today. So I a hundred percent think, and I've heard this from other agencies, like, you know, back when I used to do consulting, right? You're like, Oh, you know, I, I know that. Why do I need you? Well, the answer is, You may know it in theory or in passing, but the outsider gives you a structured process to work through and hold it and hold you accountable to something that you wouldn't otherwise have. And I think, you know, I think that's why investing in programs like what you guys do at Sitkins and and others are so worthwhile. They're just this this experience just completely. I don't know what the right word is. Uh, just It just hammered home in myself the idea that spending money on outside consultants and stuff in the right scenarios with a clear purpose is so incredibly valuable to your business. 
Yeah. Well, it's, you know, part of what you said there, I think, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. Yes, the outsider is important. And that's a big part of what we do with agencies, but it, it frees your thinking to a degree. And, and sometimes it's helpful just to get off site somewhere where you just, just, you're in a different environment. It's like, okay. And also a great, a good facilitator, like the one that you had is very good at having clear objectives as far as, you know, I think a big thing is it's not my idea, it's your idea. And, and, you know, when we come up with that and structure and kind of keep things on point, it's like, um, you know, it's like, uh, just use football for an example. Like if, if I'm the wide receiver and, and I've got my own idea what play we should run, but we come together and we decide on a play that we're actually going to run and we call it in the huddle, well, guess what? I'm running that play. And, and, and that, you know, and again, there could be, I, I could be pissed about it or I could, you know, not necessarily like it, but we always say, listen, we're going to come together. We're going to discuss the play. But once we put our hands in the circle, we agree that's the play we're going to run. That's the play we're going to run. All right. So everyone's in. Um, otherwise, you're always going to have two or three that like, hey, I don't feel like I'm going to block on this play and the quarterback, is gonna, <laughs> you know, so, so, you know, so, hey, and I'm a Bears fan. So I see that all the time <laughs> right, with my own team. Well, I'm a Bills fan, man. So I feel your pain. Um, no, I'm, I'm with you. It, it is. Um, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. So I want to talk to you uh, uh, or just run this by you speaker to speaker. So that same trip last week. Um, and I did, this is what my episode of the show was about this week. And actually, uh, the podcast that dropped the week that we're recording this, uh, the podcast is actually almost a full recording of my, of the keynote I gave. Um, I did an hour and a half keynote, no slides, zero slides, like nothing, like not even like they put my picture up on the screen behind me. Um, that was it. And it was liberating, invigorating, exciting, um, the engagement, the comments, the feedback, the conversation and 80 person audience. So I mean, not an enormous crowd, but, but you know, uh, you know, you had to work them. Uh, it wasn't like a 15 person workshop or anything. And I, uh, I think at least for the foreseeable future, I don't know that I'm going to use slides. I, it was a step outside of something I'd ever done before on purpose. And, it was, it was really incredible, man. It was like, a you know, I think it, in, in the speaking world, it was very much like a spiritual experience to a certain extent. Um, <laughs> cause you are stepping out onto the tightrope without, uh, without a net. There's no doubt about it. And, uh, to a certain extent, it's a windy day and, uh, all that good stuff. So I, you know, what do you, th- have you ever tried it? No slides. Would you ever go no slides? You know, what, what, you know, how do you step your speaking game up? Yeah. I, well, first of all, congrats. I actually listened to the first, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 minutes oh, this okay. morning getting <laughs> ready to kids off for school. So, so I know what you're talking about. Good job, man. I'll, I'll, I'll get the rest later. I promise. But um, yeah, I have done it and I, and I love to do it. And, and maybe I'm a weird cat. I don't know, but I, I almost would prefer not to have slides uh, anyway. Um, and, and, and I'll, well, it depends on the environment. You know, I think there are certain points and stories that you tell, and you know this, you do a great job of this when you use slides that emphasize or they bring that story or point to life. It, it brings it new meaning. Like, for example, if I was to tell a story that had a, you know, a business purpose, but it was talking about my kids doing something, to have a picture of that sometimes kind of paints the final picture. And you're like, oh, I got it. That's good. Right. So there, there's aspects of that. But as far as engagement with an audience, I mean, first of all, you got to understand that every single person in that chair is there for one reason. It's for themselves, right? I mean, it's what's in it for me or they were forced to be there because their boss told them to be there. So that's probably (laughs) half what we run into as well. But the idea is 
what are we trying to accomplish as speakers or as communicators? Well, it's about them and what's in it for them. And when you can take the slides down and you can have real authentic conversations, I'm sure, and I haven't listened to your whole presentation yet, but I'm sure there are many discussions and things that came up from that and that group of 80 people that probably wouldn't have happened if you had a more direct slide deck. Um, you know, again, it doesn't mean you didn't have a, a flow or a process, but it is liberating because you can have real conversations. Um, and so I, I listen, I, I'm not anti-slide um, other than the sense of something, you know, if it's all a bunch of bullet points, as we know. But no, man, I love to like um, I, this is my, everyone's got different speaking styles. So that's that's the first thing. But if I was in a room of like less than, let's just say 50, I would rather hop on a bar school stool and sit there and be like, let's just have a chat, man. Let's just talk and 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 get into some of this stuff and be real. Because I think people lean in when that happens versus going up. Oh, let's follow yeah. the slide. <laughs> so, yeah. No, so I, job, it, no, you made a really good, a lot of really interesting points there. I think that um, so from my perspective, you know, kind of in thinking back to it, I, and, and so the reason why for, for those that haven't listened to the last episode, just the, the real short is, um, I had the AV drop in Ohio and, and, you know, that just happens. It's nothing against Ohio. Uh, they're the state association, the, uh, AV didn't work. So I did the first 30 minutes of a 45 minute presentation without them and it was incredibly engaging. And I basically used the Roberts and Ryan keynote as a way to say, was that just an anomaly or is there something here? So I, I, yeah, go ahead. Well, one other thing too, one other thing on that, which you did maybe allude to, but was hidden within that is the fact that you were prepared enough oh, to do it. Shit, yeah, man. Th this is the thing. Like I am not advocating. And I actually said this in the video, not in the podcast that I did. So it's, it's in the vlog. Um, this is not in any way a shoot from the hip. I'm better when I'm drunk kind of thing, right? Like this is not any of that. I mean, I am prepared as hell. I mean, this is what I do every day. Um, and same with you. I mean, not, it's not just me, but you know, this is the stuff, you know, you ask me to go up there and talk about like marriage counseling and I, I would fail, but, um, mm -hmm. but you know, the, but this, you know, marketing and insurance agencies and how they work and how all this stuff, like, I mean, I'm I'm as prepared as anybody in the entire industry to talk on those particular topics. And um, yeah. so and I didn't go in without a plan. Right. I, I thought through it. I thought about it on the plane. I thought about it the day before. I thought about it the day of, you know, I worked through here's what's happening in the space. Here are the things I really think are important. Uh, and the truth is, you know, there were a couple of things that I wish that I had said that I didn't. That if I had had my slides, I would have said um, like. Ah, oh, shit. Now I'm going to forget what they are. It doesn't matter. Um, but in retrospect, you know, and actually uh, Sydney caught me on one of them, which I thought was great because I had Sydney and Joey there recording. And actually a bunch of my team members were there too. So it was really fun. But, um, you know, they, uh, I, I forgot this thing and she, you know, she, she had heard the presentation before and just said, you know, you usually say this year and you, and you didn't. And, you know, so it's a learning experience. It's a growth experience. But the truth is, you have, you have, I had 90 minutes, which is longer than the average keynote. Usually they're 45 to 60 minutes long. And dude, I got 25 minutes in and, and the first hand went up and we did questions for the next hour, which is just best case scenario, because now you're getting to address the things that people actually have a concern over versus, you know, this, that's right. always my beef with slides is that you are dictating to the audience what they should know. And in this scenario, I was saying, here's what I think is relevant, but I want you to, to give to me where, so let's, let's make this yours. Let's make this your unique experience 
with me and my knowledge, not me pounding you over the head what I think you should know. I also think, and then I'll shut up, is um, I think that because I never had a slide on, I never gave pe- people permission to to just, you know, to, to check out, right? To just zone in on the slide. Yeah. They, if they were, if they wanted to not be staring at their phone, they had to look at me. And I think what it did was it, it made it, when I kind of opened myself up for questions or, or you know, started to, to imply that, hey, if, if something, you have a, a thought on this, you know, let me know what you think. They, I had trained them from the jump that we were talking to each other. So I think when you go slides and then you go to questions, a lot of times you get no hands, like a lot of times. But because I never right. went slides to begin right. with, it was hand, 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 hand. I mean, I had three, four hands like waiting to get questions at some point. And I was like, this is the bonanza. This is this is what it's all about. I mean, this is their presentation, their thing. Obviously, I reposted it on the internet. But, you know, in that moment, it was their unique experience. And, um, you know, I'm going to run with it for a little bit. I'm not saying there won't ever be slides back, but I thought it was I thought it was pretty, pretty interesting. Well, I mean, you, you can tinker with it, but you know, and, and play with it. But I, th- I think the the idea that I, I hear when you talk about this in communication, it's funny when you, what you just said is really important. That you know, if you do a, a slide deck, whether it's a slide deck or this is my forty five minute script, and I'm going to stick to it, and I've got it down, I'm repeat it word for word, and then at the end we'll open up the Q and A. You're right. The problem is, is there was never engagement or buy in from the beginning. Not necessarily. There's no guarantee of it anyway, right? And and you could use this whether it's a keynote, whether it's it's uh, training and leading your team at the agency or whether it's you're having a sales conversation. And how many times do, do agents basically tell for however long, whether it's 10 minutes or 10 hours, a prospect of what they need to think and know about their insurance and then say at the end, hey, by the way, do you have any questions you want to buy? And it's, it's really no different than in a keynote in that first five, 10, 15 minutes is they want to feel like they're part of the conversation, that they have a say in what's going on. It's their time, not yours, right? I mean, you're getting paid for that and all that and bringing what you bring to the table. But again, it's that constant buy-in and reinforcement. Otherwise, it's like instant checkout. And, and by the way, it's hard to check out when you have no slides to look at yeah. and the guy's moving around the room, right? It's really hard. You yeah. got to do the special hand thing or, you know, I mean, it's, you're putting yeah. pressure on those guys to check yeah, out. Yeah, so. I, um, <laughs> it was great. I, so when I'm working, when I'm working a presentation, I always try to find, um, like a person in the audience that I can use as my, uh, I'll use the word patsy, but that has negative connotations and I don't mean it to, you know, like my, like in this case, it was this guy, Ron, and he was sitting down front and he was obviously somebody that everyone liked, but that was kind of a ball buster too, because, you know, I, and I could tell he was kind of, you know, this stuff isn't for me. And, you know, we, we, you, we, you know, the look we've done this for long enough. So, you, you know, you just, you know, you do this for long enough and you've seen so many situations. It's kind of like when I was refing basketball, right? You just get, it's not refing, being good at refing basketball is not about having some unique skill. You've just seen every crazy friggin' thing that can happen. So when something happens, you're just like, Oh, I've seen this before. Here's how you deal with it. Right. And it's the same exact thing with speaking. It's just reps. So, you know, I just, you know, you find this person and then all of a sudden you become relatable. And then now you're not dictating them with slides. You're not just talking to them. You're actually one of them because you're having a conversation with one of their people. Like Ron was one of them. And now I'm having a conversation with Ron. So you're like, oh, what's Ron going to say? Or, you know what I mean? Like it, 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 there's so many ways to pull them in and, um, 
you know, I mean, if it was an audience of a thousand, would I have done no slides? I don't know. I think I'd still be pretty comfortable. Um, my idea is actually, and I'm interested in your take on this and just because you're another speaker and I don't get to talk to many other speakers on this podcast, uh, is, well, I guess I'm going to talk to a lot of them with Elevate coming up, but normally I don't. You're just the, you're the, you're the first in the series of Elevate right. speakers. Yeah. <laughs> you're setting the bar. Um, <laughs> is what I would love to do is have like the, like the screen be black, you know, or, or blank or whatever. And then, so there's no slides and then just have, cause there's two or three stories that actually have like little charts that go with them. Like the customer expectation triangle of death and a couple other slides that I've been doing forever that, that I wish I could just like randomly pull to them. Like, you know, give me the yell to the back, like give me the, your wiggle my ear or some shit. And like the customer expectation triangle of death comes up, you know what I mean? But maybe I don't want that slide so I never show it. Like, I wish there was a, I wish I could like on my phone hit like the nine button and have one slide pop up. And then if I don't want to use it, I just don't hit that button and no slides ever come up or, or vice versa. You know what I'm saying? Like that would be, that would be really cool because then you could go to certain stories, have the visual backup as you need it, and then pull it down when you want to move on and, and capture their full attention again. See, now you're getting somewhere. You can be, I yes. mean, now, now you truly are a quarterback at the line of scrimmage, Cotton yeah. Auburn. You're tapping <laughs> your helmet, you're pulling your ear. Omaha, uh, Omaha. Omaha. Okay, here's the deal. If I, <laughs> Omaha, if I pull my ear, I want that slide. If I scratch my nose, you know, then unfortunately you guys sneeze and it comes up like, no, not now, no, not now. But uh, no, I hear where you're going. So it actually becomes, I mean, truly, it becomes. And, you know, it comes automatic or as far as not automatic is the wrong word, but it becomes, um, you know, at the moment, it's very authentic. That's the word I was looking for. Um, yeah. So, so hey, I like it. So man. we've been, we've been talking for a while. I <laughs> want to hear, um, I want to hear. So, so for you guys that, that don't know, uh, obviously Brent does an open invitation on the show, but today's episode is really about, and that we talked about speaking and a bunch of other stuff as well. Um, Brent is a speaker at Elevate 2018. Uh, the one-of-a-kind, most dynamic insurance unconference that you are absolutely crazy not to attend. Um, you know, it just and, – and Brent was also a speaker last year. He's one of the first people I asked to be back to speak again this year. Um, you know, it is it's, – it's such a pleasure to be able to put a lineup together um, and have the quality of professionals – uh, like yourself uh, speaking at the conference, it, it obviously means the world to me. And I do the best that I can to promote you because I think the world of the work that you do and the Sickens group. And I hope anyone who is considering or on the fence with Sickens or hasn't even thought about it um, will reach out to Brent and we'll get to how to do that in a second. But maybe just give everybody just a quick peek. Um, I don't know if you have the title and description ready yet. If you do, that's amazing. If you don't, you don't have to remember it. Just give them an idea uh, or a, a little taste of what they're going to get if they attend Elevate and uh, are smart enough to attend your session. <laughs> yeah, you got that right. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, they better. No, so I, I'm still kind of tinkering with it, but I have a really good idea of, of what it's going to be about. Because something that I'm working on with our, our Sitkins Network members as well, and it's a, it's a thing we call the Profit Experience, the Profit Experience, and you, it's spelled the same way. Um, but what is that? What does that mean? And um, you know, really, basically, at the end of the day, it's how do we help get your insurance agency professionally fit? And um, you know, at the end of the day. 
way. <laughs> there are a lot, this goes back to what we talked about earlier. There's a lot of things that you could do. Um, but what I really want to work on with agency leaders and agency is how to not, not to get them more fluff, but get them leaner and meaner. And, and, you know, really the focus is how do you focus on the vital few versus the trivial many? And, and how do you start to take something that, you know, when you, when you want to be a professionally fit agency, I think one of the things that has been, been missing for a long period of time, which it just seems obvious, but I see it over and over and over again, is that truly most insurance agencies have become uh, very transactional and order takers. And this goes back to what, you know, I think Seth Godin said this, what, five, six years ago, I know you're a big Seth Godin fan, Ryan, that it was a race to the bottom, that it becomes, how do we do things faster, even though they make us busier and crazier and make us less money. And so really it's a focus back with leadership of how do you focus on the main things, which is relationships and risk advice. You know, <laughs> it's very simple, but a lot of us know that, but how are we actually going to do that? And so there's a lot of different things that, that agencies can do. And in my presentation, I'm going to get into some of those and try to keep things for the sake of, of continuity, very simple, uh, but give three very basic, but very powerful action items that insurance agencies can do. Because um, when you talk about knowing versus doing, Ryan, and this is an example, I think I might've even used last year, um, but it's easy to understand in the fact that, you know, when I'm in front of an audience and I say, listen, um, how many how many people here have a couple suggestions of what you could do to get healthier, to get more fit? You know, and, and generally that, you know, the two people will be smart. Some people will say, you know, drink less beer or whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, it's diet and exercise. And I say, well, it's interesting. How, how much the, the population do you think would agree that diet and exercise would be would be important to you getting fit? And, you know, 98, 99 percent of the people. Then why are two thirds of us overweight? And, and, and that to me comes back to knowing versus doing and being actionable and not just talking about stuff. And, and this goes back to Lion Tamer. Why are we not taking action on certain things? Because we get paralyzed. And so I want to help insurance agencies in my presentation really have a clear path that they can sell more, they can retain more, and they can earn wow. more. You got it's me very sold, simple, man. Very I, basic, I love very it. I, geez, you'd have to be crazy to not have a ticket to elevate and just, just to come see Brent. I mean, that right there is worth the entire ticket price. And you're to get a bunch of other super smart people too yeah yeah um, amen brother amen brother hey i will i will say this and this is something that you, you haven't paid me for yet i'm kidding but i'm gonna give a very big plug but no i mean i, I will tell you and, and people have said this i don't need to speak on it there's been a lot of testimonials and reviews but you know last year you were doing the very first elevate and we've been friends for a long time now and you brought me on i'm like well this would be cool and i'm like i don't know what to expect <laughs> this could be really good or this could be really bad <laughs> i'm sure it's maybe what you were thinking too and and i can tell you i mean it was it was a great event and it was a great conference and, and people asked me you know what made elevate so different and there's a lot of different different things for that. But I mean, it's kind of back to what we were just talking about in terms of speaking. It was authentic. Um, it, it, it wasn't that there weren't people that didn't come in and have objectives and things they wanted to talk about, but it was real. And I think that was really important. It wasn't like, you know, two o'clock you do this, three o'clock. Yes, there's speaking schedules, but it was all about the interaction. And I think bigger than that is that it was a yeah. conference of people that wanted to be there who wanted to be there. They weren't forced to be there. They weren't told they should be there. Um, you know, you need to get some CEs. So go to that. No, like either the people that want to yeah. be there are actually wanting to do something yeah. and get better. And those are the people you want to hang around with, right? Thank you. I, hey, I, I appreciate so, that, man. That means a lot to me. Go to you go conference. to a lot of conferences. It really does. You know, it's, you know, when, when I, when we built Elevate and I'm, this is preaching the choir, but I said at this conference is to build the industry 
that I want to work in, me personally, it's very selfish. This conference is about building the industry I want to work in, not the industry I work in today. And every year that will be the case forever, right? I always want us to evolve and get deeper and richer. And I'm going to make the announcement right now, Elevate 2019 Elevate 2019 has a very, very strong partner coming in that's going to take this to a whole nother level. I'm going to wait to announce it. I thought better before I let that leave my lips because I know I have a call about it on Thursday and today is only Wednesday. I think it's Wednesday. But, but I mean, just where this talk, where we want to go, that that's what it's about. And, and, you know, I've thought a lot about Elevate 2017 and how we make 2018 better and all that kind of stuff. And it it's about, I'll, I'll take here. Here's what I think at the end of the day it boils down to. And I'll, it's how I pick speakers. I do not pick speakers by topic. I literally just live on a podcast, ask you what's your topic. And I have no idea. And frankly, I don't really care if you told me, you know, new tactical tomato growing strategies. I'd be like, cool. The reason being is I pick the people I want on stage because I think they give a shit. They're dynamic. They, they just, they, they're for what we're trying to do. I pick people and I put them on stage because if the right people are on stage, the right conversations happen, the right energy happens, and then everything else flows from there. I don't care for the most part what people talk about. And um, I don't, I just got asked to speak in an event and they're like, here's the title, here's the description. Are you interested? And it's like, maybe. I, do you know what I mean? Like, so it's, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I literally have no idea. And I frankly do not care. And um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm way off topic. And it, this is, feels self-serving now. And I apologize. I, just, I, I get so into it, man. I freaking love this. And I, I love that hey, you're there. Right. It you're gets right. me so excited. Um, so, okay. Tell everybody, now that I've gone on that ridiculous diatribe, tell everybody where they can learn more about you, more about the Sickens Group, the work you're doing. What's the best places to connect with you? Yeah. Well, best place is simply just go to sitkins.com. We're actually redoing the entire website. Maybe the time this, this releases, it'll be all updated. But yeah, it's S-I-T-K-I-N-S.com, Sitkins. And there's all the stuff about our training programs and speaking and coaching and all the kind of stuff that we do and just how, how, how awesome everybody is. Um, how, how's that for self-serving? But um, you can also email me, anybody listening at brent at sitkins.com. If you just have general questions, you want to reach out, say hello, whatever the case is. I'd love to, uh, love to talk to people and, and email Email is a great way to reach me. And then social media, just just find me. I'm in all kinds of places, LinkedIn, Facebook, all that good stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, um, you know, just as a plug for what we're doing, I mean, we, we had just launched the Sitkins Network in January officially. And, you know, it kind of goes back to what, what we were just talking about. Like, we've got very intentional, just like you do with Elevate, Ryan. Like, it's not for everybody. Like, you know, I, I'm guessing you could probably lower the price on your tickets and sell a lot more no, you're and, and have less right quality. I mean, I, I'm just guessing. I'm not saying, you're, you know, you, but you, you could do that right yeah or you can say listen this is premiere and this is what you're going to get and it's not for everybody and and that's how we are with the sitkins network and it's not to be elitist but here's the fact and i say this very matter of factly is that most agencies don't really care and, and uh, you know that's just the reality they just really it's it, listen the industry you you can be very average and make a really good living we get that. I mean, that's the great part about the industry. But we want to work with agencies that want to be great, like truly great, want to dive in, you know, and, and, and take on some of this stuff that's going on in today's world and get really intentional about their behaviors and strategies and the attitudes and everything goes on to a world-class agency. 
and work specifically with them. And we know that's not for everybody. Um, but if you're one of those, you know, again, we always joke that maybe it's the, the 2% or really want to put the time in. That's who we want to work with. So um, that's, that's, that's my plug and what we're doing. And it's, it's exciting, man. It's fun to watch. It's fun to watch agencies and agency leaders start to get it. And they go, man, there's, there's results and things are happening. This is fun. And we actually enjoy, we get our life back. There's freedom. Um, and it's fun. It's fun going to work and working with, with, with clients that, believe what we believe and we I love the it, same man. values I love it. and all that at a so, minimum if you um, hold an event and you're looking for a speaker brent's the guy great guy two-timer at elevate love it man hey and for those of you who haven't bought your ticket yet i'm going to give you the double secret special deal right now elevateconference.com go to elevateconference.com and you're going to go buy your ticket general admission ticket it's going to say 975 dollars you're going to then type into the promo code box, this code right here, special 100. The word special with one zero zero after it, all one word, lowercase, special 100. You're going to hit enter and that is going to make the, the price 875, which is a bargain. It's a bargain to see, just to see Brent, that's a bargain, right? Just, I mean, it's a bargain. And then you get all the other amazing people that are as rare as well. I'm also going to feed you six times. I'm going to get you drunk twice. we got a great band coming. It's going to be thebomb.com. I hope to see you there. We are out. If they show love, I'm going to show it back. If the catch is too small, I'm going to throw it back. I've done a lot, but I ain't got a lot to show for that. All right, yeah, let's do that again. If they show love, I'm going to show it back. If the catch is too small, I'ma throw it back I've done a lot, but I ain't got a lot to show for that Alright, yeah, let's get into it A lot of things have happened since we last spoke Like smash hopes, half empty, now this glass is broke And I'm the captain of this crash boat So when it's time to sink and swim, I always choose to do the backflow I know that not a lot of humans are as sharp as I am My modesty's my greatest quality, it's not, I'm lying I know I'm only just alright with this hard of rhyming No, I'm not applying myself, in fact, I'm hardly but just imagine what would happen if I stuck to rapping, man I'd probably have a helicopter and a couple mansions With some guard dogs and a bunch of fans they love attacking Probably not, but it's fun to imagine Hey, yo, I can't complain of where I'm at I'm just happy to be here I'd be ecstatic if we happen to have a repeat here Thanks to Pro Leader, I'm rapping the heaters While passing the reefer, man, that's what I call having a breather If they show love, I'ma show it back If the catch is too small, I'ma throw it back I've done a lot, but I ain't got a lot to show for that I've done a lot, but I ain't got a lot to show for that It's your story Dang it, now I'm trying to rap while I act like I don't want to make it. So fuck a record deal. I only say that because they haven't made the offer yet. I'm confident they never will. My only competition is myself from the year previous. It's clear to me I have to fear greediness. It's still clear from that media hype and devious types. I'm booking my expedient flights immediately. That's right, I'm leaving tonight to find some peace on the beaches where I'm needing to write. So fly me to France. I think it's time my life is enhanced. Teach me all about fashion. Let's go buy me some pants. There might be a chance that I finally find some romance with the fly little mommy who invites me to dance. Come on. So if she shows love, I'ma show it back. But if that.
back I've done a lot, but I ain't got a lot to show for that I've done a lot, but I ain't got a lot to show for that So if they show love, I'ma show it back If the catch is too small, I'ma throw it back I've done a lot, but I ain't got a lot to show for that